All right, great to have you here on this Wednesday. And, of course, it is that time of the week where we meet our friends over at Black Locks Reporter, where, of course, you get all these juicy nuggets that uh, should get way more attention than they should, all right? Let's just put it out there. These stories matter. No one, of course, digs them up better than Tom Korski, managing editor of Black Locks Reporter, and he joins us now. Good to have you, Tom. Thank you, Alex. This is one of those stories that I don't know why it's not much bigger than it is. This, to me, is just speaks to either complete recklessness of this government or, you know, that it's above the law or that maybe it just doesn't understand the laws that it makes. But it's involving tax cuts um, for hundreds of thousands of small businesses, farmers and fishing corporations. And this was pushed through. All these tax revisions were pushed through and signed into law, got royal assent, all the bells and whistles on June 29th. And for whatever reason, this government will not acknowledge or doesn't want to acknowledge that these tax laws are now in place. And Finance Minister Christopher Freeland basically had to, you know, kind of admit, all right, you know, family-owned businesses can be passed on at lower tax rates to family members, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, and the only reason I think they're 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 bending on this is because Liberal Wayne Easter, their own MP, had to remind them that Parliament is supreme. So can you explain to me what the law is that they don't want to recognize as a law? Oh, I'm happy to. If you are a a farmer, a fisherman, or a small business operator, and if you want to sell the business to your children, you are taxed on the net profit at a dividend rate of about 45%. Mm -hmm. This bill says that you can lower that to what everyone else would pay which is a capital gains rate of about 25%, which is what you would pay on the net profit of a sale to a complete stranger. Accountants, farmers, uh, fishing corporations, small business has sought this change literally for decades. As one accountant from Winnipeg testified in Senate National Finance Committee, who on God's green earth would oppose this? Who would not think this is a good idea to save small businesses hundreds of thousands of dollars when you sell the business to your own children. Well, the problem is it's going to cost the Treasury $179 million a year. Uh, The average age of the farmers in this country is over 55. They want to sell the land not to Chinese corporations, but to their own children. And this has been described by members of all parties, including 19 Liberal MPs who voted for it and Liberal-appointed senators, as a Mm -hmm. common-sense measure. The finance department hates it. Part of it is it's not their idea. Any MP will tell you every idea that did not come from the Department of Finance is considered a bad idea by the Department of Finance. But in this case, uh, the minister, Freeland, and her department questioned the legality of that bill. And it sent a scare through accountants right across the country. Bill C-208 is the number. And... uh, (laughs) The department had to be summoned to testimony in the middle of summer by the Commons Finance Committee members who were outraged on the point that Cabinet, Christia Freeland, or her staff do not decide when a law is a law. That's actually Parliament's job. I know. It's it's, it's really strange. Um, again, like I said, th- this should be getting a lot more attention um, because, look, her department, I mean, her government, they could have put revisions into this before it was passed in the law, and, and they didn't. Um, but it doesn't look very good coming from a government that under, you know, Bill Morneau's financial guidance basically called small businesses and farmers tax cheats anyway. It has been accepted by, uh, I know, members Begrudgingly. of... Begrudgingly. 
uh, of the liberal <laughs> caucus who, who yeah. will say, members of caucus who will say privately that the perception of small business is high in cabinet in caucus, rather, because there's a lot of small business people in caucus. Forget about cabinet. They see yeah. and have seen small business as a bunch of losers and chislers. They will not allow small business operators to enjoy the same lawful tax advantages that General Motors does. No one right. understands why. W- what do they think farmers, ranchers, fishermen are going to do with the foregone taxes that they don't have to pay a special dividend? Are they opening accounts in the Cayman Islands? You know what they're going to do? They're going to buy motor homes and maybe enjoy a little bit of retirement. It's, it's frankly bizarre. Yeah, but but I'd um, I, I would uh, challenge you know anyone to look into like who in this cabinet has actually owned a small business, and I I get, I will look through it. And I'm going to kind of make it a project of mine. Uh, but the prime minister's never owned a small business. Certainly, the finance minister's never owned a small business. All these people have not owned small businesses. So why do they care? They don't see the value in them. Nonetheless, um, they are begrudgingly accepting that there is a law and it must be followed because. It, Apparently now they're learning that Parliament rules. You know, Stephen Polo's former governor of the Bank of Canada said it was an eye-opener for him when he discovered that most small businesses don't have payrolls. Don't let anyone ever tell you that being going around Ottawa in a chauffeured government-issued car is not a malforming experience for some of these people. Bill Morneau never got it. They don't understand how small business works, and they're not interested in it, which is ironic because we are a nation of shopkeepers, proudly so. Seventy-five yeah. percent of the workforce is employed by small business, and that a large number of them, we mean small, fewer than three employees, under $100,000 a year in revenue. Yeah, well, it is the backbone of our country, so I guess we'll see in the next election how um, they each think of each other. Um, This is interesting, although I don't really understand what it is. So the federal agency spent $110,000 producing a pre-election YouTube video on slavery with commentary by Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. And um, video participants include a liberal-appointed senator who felt a sense of hopelessness after seeing images of Trudeau clowning around in blackface. Uh, They tried to sell this thing to the networks. There was absolutely no interest in this. So this is going to be broadcast on YouTube on August 1st, which is the anniversary of Britain's 1834 enactment of an act for the abolition of slavery throughout the British colonies. So explain this to me. Um, Trudeau offered to put himself in this thing despite the blackface <laughs> like how, how does this work no no when the taxpayers fund a video and the prime minister wants to be involved then then he gets to be involved uh, uh-huh. it's it's frankly jarring um it's uh, the first ever observance of its kind uh, abolition of slavery by a 19th century english king um it it We never had slavery sanctioned by any Canadian parliament. None of the fathers of Confederation were slaveholders. Whatever problems Canada's had in the past, that wasn't one of them. Nonetheless, this is uh, an Emancipation Day video produced by the National Film Board and Department of Canadian Heritage, as you mentioned, the six-figure cost, that includes the Prime Minister and, uh, bizarrely, Senator Bernard black woman, social worker, very eloquent from Dalhousie, Nova Scotia, who on learning of the blackface photos in the 2019 campaign said she found it so personally uh, hurtful 
and said in an interview with us that it spoke to what she believed was really the deep-rooted power and privilege and systemic racism in our country. It's apparently the case that no one thought this video was a really bad idea. But they're going ahead yeah. with it. Uh, they, they won't get airtime outside of YouTube. And uh, it is an election year, Alex. There's, you heard that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh it, it, won't, it won't get, it may not run on one of the networks, but it'll certainly be made into an attack ad pretty quickly to remind people. Because, I, I mean, look, the, the prime minister's out there um, talking about racism today and all these things. And not only does he exclude, you know, the only black uh, Jewish woman from being involved in, in anti-Semitism and racism fighting back, but uh, I just can't take him seriously on this issue, given how many times he did blackface and forgets. It's, it's not that long ago. And yet there is a determination. We can see this through various contracts that have gone out for marketing and all the strings that have been pulled through uh, cabinet and briefing memos. They they do want a campaign on these very divisive issues I know. about racial identity, about um, reconciliation, about suburban guilt. They, it is baffling to me what political gain is seen in pushing all those buttons but they will push those buttons, Alex. Of course they will. It's uh, identity politics at its worst, nonetheless. Stay tuned. All right, Tom, uh, amount of time on that one and this one. So we'll see and look forward to uh, finding what you dig up for the next, uh, next round. Thank you very much. Thank you, Alex. Tom Korski is managing editor of Black Locks Reporter. I say it. I say it all the time. It is a subscription-based uh, online publication and of course worth every penny of it because they do deliver all the goods.